Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Concussion Chats. My name is Taylor Fort. Concussion Chats is a podcast hosted by the McGill students for the Concussion Legacy Foundation with the help of Nick from Concussion Talk Podcast. We're dedicated to providing hope and strength to those suffering from concussions through sharing experiences. Today I have a recording of guest speaker Dr. Brigida. Um, so Dr. Brigida is a naturopathic doctor and primary care paramedic with a mission to help active individuals braving concussion recovery, mental illness, and memory loss reclaim and optimize the resilient brains naturally. With over a decade of experience as a paramedic, Brigida has witnessed firsthand the care and management of concussions in both um, the pre-hospital and emergency department settings. As a naturopathic intern on the sports medicine focus shift, uh, she had the opportunity to mentor with several medical advisory staff of CCMI, the largest network of concussion clinics and the leader in clinical concussion care. Brigida's additional training in sports nutrition and craniosacral therapy from the world-renowned A Pledger Institute has given her a deeper understanding of both how to create brain resiliency before impact and how a holistic treatment approach changes the trajectory of healing from brain injury. Beautiful faces here this morning. Thank you for showing up. So as some of you may or may not know, brain injury is the leading cause of death and disability for Canadians under the age of 40. And Advil and CAVE therapy is not concussion care. As a working paramedic, I've seen firsthand acute concussions and I've also brought in multiple people with concussion injuries to the emergency rooms. And they're really great, right? We rule out red flags. We make sure there's nothing life-threatening going on. Individuals are just discharged into the world. They're like, here you go. Here's your newfound brain injury. Figure it out, right? Most of them are referred back to their family doctor who, once again, may or may not know very much about concussion care. And I'm sure this resonates with a lot of you. And the reality is when we have a broken arm or when we have a back injury or a sprained ankle, there's rehab that happens. We went from an injured state to a rehabbed, better functioning state. That often doesn't happen with concussion care or with a, with a brain injury, right? Yet when it's, I would argue, our brain is the most important organ 
in our body. Yet patients are still left with little to no direction at the end of the day, or they're often told that there's nothing they can do about it or to just go sit in a dark room or take some Advil. And there's no direction as far as like, when do you crawl out of this dark cave? Like, when are you supposed to start feeling better? Right. So they're often misinformed, misguided and mismanaged on a daily basis. And I don't mean this as a slight to the medical professionals, because the reality is the concussion clinicians that are doing the work in the trenches, it's going to take about 10 to 15 years for that care to become the standard of care in our conventional medical system. And the other thing is we can't expect emergency doctors and family doctors to have the tools to adequately care for concussions because that's not part of their training, right? It's like expecting an open heart surgeon to manage your concussion or, you know, whatever the case might be. They're very good at what they do, but the reality is a concussion is technically classified as a mild traumatic brain injury. So when they see there's no bleed going on, there's no broken bones, they're like, okay, we're good. We've done our job, right? And I think there's been a lot of advocacy in the year, in the past couple years about recognizing concussions, especially in sports, but there's a huge missing piece as to what the next piece looks like and how to get care and what does that rehab actually look like. So I find by straddling both the worlds of pre-hospital medicine and naturopathic medicine, I've realized where these gaps in care exist. And I also realized that I have a unique skill set and toolbox to facilitate healing for individuals. So what I have found is that there's lots that can be done. And unfortunately, it's just not getting out there. And I know a lot of you have probably tried multiple things to manage your symptoms and to try and rehab, right? But then sometimes it's also the strategy piece of how do we go from um, acute concussion to chronic concussion? And how do we break that cycle that's happening right now? So you're all familiar with, I'm sure you're familiar with the medical system and also you have different practitioners that you probably see. And sometimes you may have been just told to rest or sometimes you've been given prescriptions to manage your symptoms. And I'm sure this sounds very familiar to most of you. So the truth is that there can be lots that can be done for a concussion. And over the next 20 minutes or so, I want to pair you with a couple strategies that I use in my practice to take patients from debilitating headaches and brain fog to mental clarity and increased energy without any drugs, a huge amount of supplements or expensive testing. So the reality too is that we know that there's no medication specific for, specific for a concussion. So we have this big thick book the, um, that's used for pharmacology and there's all kinds of medications in there. And unfortunately, there's not a single subsection in there that talks about concussions. So everything that comes up with a concussion is just trying to manage the symptoms that are showing up, but there's nothing that actually really works to manage it from the root cause. So I wanna empower you with a couple of strategies. So the first one being hydration. And someone cue me if I'm going too fast because I always get really passionate about this and I tend to go off at hundred miles a minute. So hydration, 75% of Americans, and I would argue Canadians are probably comparative to this, are chronically dehydrated. So it's 75% of us. I see some mugs going up as I, as I talk about this. <laughs> so the reality is that brain fog, headaches, fatigue, anxiety, digestive complaints, hormonal dysfunction are some of the most common symptoms of dehydration. And I'm sure these sound familiar to you, right? It is so hard to tease out clinically if someone is presenting with dehydration or post-concussion symptoms, because they can often mimic each other. 
So the first thing we do is to make sure the person is actually hydrating, right? And water is so important because it's involved in so many bodily fun functions. Um, not only is it detoxification, but it's more so for our brain function. So our cerebral spinal fluid, which is the beautiful fluid that surrounds our brain, it nourishes it, protects it, the um, brain is 99% water. So, and we only have about 150 milliliters of it. So needless to say that any minor changes in hydration status can have a really large impact on, um, on the amount of fluid that's actually in there and the job that it can do. So does anybody have any idea how much water we should be drinking? Any thoughts out there? What is it, four, liter, two, four liters a day, I think? Yeah, so there's... Sorry, I heard four liters. I think it's between two and four liters, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, half your body weight, two and four liters, four to six cups. Those are all some great suggestions. Absolutely. So there's actually no real set. Like everywhere you look, you'll find a different number, right? And does anybody have any idea where that two liters of water came from? Any thoughts? So it's actually, believe it or not, it's it's totally made up. So when they made recommendations and guidelines, sometimes they'll just go to one doctor and they'll be like, so we kind of need to set this guideline. How much water should we be drinking? The guy literally looked up at the air and was like, two liters. Two liters sounds good. So two liters it is, right? And that's that's actually a true story of how it came up. So it's not based on very much science at all. And if you think about it, it sort of makes sense, but it doesn't because it changes so much depending on what's going on, right? So if you're consuming food with more water content, so if you're eating more fruits and vegetables and all those things, you may not need to drink as much water. But if you're sweating and it's a summer and you're active, you're gonna need more water, right? So it really does depend. So what is, does anybody have a better um, way of actually addressing hydration status? Any thoughts on how to gauge hydration status? I have an app, but I tend to ignore it. Yep. <laughs> That's a common one. And drink more coffee. And drink more coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So oftentimes people will throw out thirst as an indicator, but it actually is not a great, it's a fairly unreliable indicator of hydration status. So the problem with thirst is that it's a signal from our body. And the more we tend to ignore it or not pay attention to it, the more our body's like, well, I'm not really going to cue you anymore because you're not listening anyway, right? So it becomes less and less sensitive as we become more hydrated to a tow point. Anyway, so one of the ways that I always talk to my patients or my clients is about urine color. So it's one of those things that you should be urinating every couple hours. And then when you do go, it should be clear or pale yellow in color. So that's how you know Am I hydrated? When was the last time I got, I've gone? Oh, it's been a couple hours. I should probably drink some more water, right? And there are some things that will change, you know, urine color. B vitamins is one of those. It'll turn it fluorescent yellow. Um, but other than that, that is by far the best indicator is how often you're going, which should be every couple of hours. And then the color should be clear to pale yellow. So what are so there people find always creative strategies right so there's apps some people will set reminders on their phone um i know some colleagues will actually bring water bottles with them to kind of say or um or they'll get those one of those really big like two liter jugs so they can kind of gauge how much um they're drinking throughout the day 
but do any of you have some strategies that you find work that you can share within the group? Um, I bought a water bottle that has like times of the day that you should mm -hmm. be drinking certain things. Um, and also I got just a having soda stream. Oh, mm -hmm. so that's a common one too, is people will throw um, lemons or limes or fruit or cucumber or mint or something in their water. Cause oftentimes that does help is just having a little bit of flavor to just get the water down. Yeah, those are great ideas. I took some um, ice cube trays and I did that. I froze some mint in them because I love water, but I don't like it plain. I have such a hard time consuming it. And um, I fill it up with the ice, you know, in the morning. And hopefully by noontime, the melt, the, it's all melted and I can consume it. It helps a little bit, but I still struggle to try to get that amount in daily of just water. Yeah, it can definitely be a challenge. Um, I know someone commented that having a water bottle, water bottle they like to drink out of is a big thing. So absolutely, right? That psychological piece of like, you're more likely to reach for something that you actually enjoy. Um, having a glass or two right in the morning, Kyle suggested. Uh, oh, that's fancy. A drink a water bottle, it buzzes when you have to drink. So there's some great suggestions. Um, yeah, so I think it's kind of playing around too. I know some people even having herbal tea, especially in the winter, it, cold water doesn't always really go down. Tea might be a good option or even brewing some at night and then you have like a nice tea the next day. Um, just so you have some flavor, but it really is about playing around and trying to see what works for you and then trying to track it whatever way. So whether you have um, a big water bottle and you kind of preset throughout the day or you kind of keep track and then just pairing that with how you're feeling um, and seeing if there's any changes to your symptoms could be a huge one too. Um, I know myself, like I can tell I start to get really fatigued and brain foggy um, when I don't drink enough water throughout the day. So. Um, those are just some tips and tricks that hopefully you'll find useful. So the next piece that I, I wanna talk about is the vagus nerve. So when individuals present with sleep issues and digestive complaints such as nausea or anxiety, especially post head injury, the issue is often looked at locally. But what we know is that there's a driving factor behind all these symptoms and often it's poor vagal tone. So who's here, who here has heard of the vagus nerve? Awesome, I see some hands up. Perfect, so the vagus nerve, for those of you who are not familiar, is arguably one of the biggest players in shifting our bodies into the most powerful healing state, yet it's not even on the radar as far as treatment goes oftentimes. So let's unpack this a little bit. So the vagus nerve is often dubbed the wonder. It's our 10th cranial nerve and it runs from our brainstem. It goes through our throat, our diaphragm, our intestines, it innervates, several abdominal and cardiac organs, it stops and it stops at our colon. So hence the reason why it's called the wander because it basically wanders from our head down to our colon. It's responsible for shifting our nervous system from a sympathetic, which is our fight, flight or freeze response into our parasympathetic rest, digest and repair state. So the reality is our nervous system, even though we have evolved and we're in 2021, our nervous system hasn't evolved very much. It still shifts from sympathetic to parasympathetic, um, even like from cave dwelling times. And really our sympathetic nervous system is a protective mechanism, right? If there's a saber tooth tiger or if there's a bear, 
your body has to decide, am I going to stand up and fight? Am I going to run away? Or am I going to play dead? But the reality is we don't necessarily have hopefully tigers or say, or bears chasing us on a daily basis, but those stresses are still there, right? So it's exams, it's bills, it's deadlines, it's being stuck in traffic. Um, and our nervous system will still respond the same way, regardless of what those stresses now are. And what I often see in trauma is, especially in head traumas, is that our body gets stuck in this sympathetic overdrive. So it's constantly on and it doesn't turn off or it doesn't shift into that parasympathetic state. And really it's a protective mechanism. It's trying to keep you alive. And it's, it's, we need to retrain it that we're actually safe, that it's okay, right? So we, what we wanna do is be able to shift our body into that parasympathetic nervous system. So our rest, digest and repair because that's when healing actually happens. So one of the main times to do this is before having a meal, for example. So you want to make sure that, or we want to all make sure that we're releasing stomach acid, right? So that we're breaking down our food appropriately. We're actually able to digest and then we're able to absorb those nutrients. It's like, we wouldn't be, you know, we often eat on the go, but we wouldn't be eating while we're running from a bear. I think that's the best way to, to put it. So it's the vagus nerve is also the main connection between our gut brain axis. So what is called the enteric nervous system and 80 to 90% of the fibers actually run from our gut up to our brain. And so I can actually help people shift into that parasympathetic um, nervous system state through cranial sacral therapy. But I wanna give you a couple of ways to activate this powerful healing state for your, on your own. So we know that it runs through the throat. So are there any ideas of how to activate it here? Any thoughts? Yes, singing, love it. Yeah, so singing is a great way. Humming is a good one, absolutely. Um, another one that I often recommend is gargling. So if you're already brushing your teeth twice a day, if you throw in a gargle, that's a great way to activate it as well. Those of you that have experience with meditation or yoga, a nice deep om is another way to activate it both from the diaphragm and from the throat. Perfect. Um, and the second location it runs through that we have direct access through is our diaphragm. So deep belly breathing is one of the best ways to do that. And if you've ever, if you've heard of box breathing, it's the idea that we breathe in for four, there's four sides to a box. So we breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four and hold for four. So let's just do this exercise together. So we're all gonna place our hands on our bottom rib cage. So nice and low. So, so often when we're breathing, we're always breathing from our top chest and we're always, we're all guilty of this, right? And before the end of the day, you're like, your shoulders are up at your ears and, they're like, when was the last time I actually took a deep breath? So what we're going to aim for is when we're breathing in, we want to feel our ribs actually moving to the sides. So our bottom ribs are actually going to expand out. So it's not so much our belly is just going out. It's actually our, the sides of our ribs actually moving at the bottom. All right, so you can close your eyes if you want for this. So we're going to take a nice, slow, deep breath in for four. So one, two, three four and then we're going to hold it for four. One, two, three, four and then we're going to slowly exhale for four. One, two, three, four and then we're going to hold that for four as well. One, two, 
three, four. Awesome, let's do that one more time. So a nice deep breath in, feeling our rib cage move out. Two, three, four, and we're gonna hold. Two, three, four, and a nice slow breath out. One, two, three, four. And then we're gonna hold again for one, two, three, four. Awesome. So this is something that you can take with you anywhere, right? We always have the power of breath to use with us. Um, and the box is sometimes an easy way to remember. There's other techniques out there like the five, seven, eight. Um, there's lots of different breathings. So that idea is that you breathe in for five, hold for seven, breathe out for eight. So the idea is that the exhale is actually longer than the inhale and the hold. Um, and this is something that I use myself, especially if I'm at work as a paramedic, you know, I've been running around, lights, sirens, whatever is going on. And then before I sit down, I make sure that I take a couple deep breaths to actually shift my nervous system into that parasympathetic state. So I'm not eating on the run and giving myself a, a bellyache and then not really actually getting the most out of my nutrients. So this is something you can practice with you if you're having difficulty sleeping too, right? Shifting that body into that parasympathetic state. We want to be in that state when we're actually um, trying to go to sleep because that's our most powerful rest, digest and repair mode. It's where 95% of our growth hormones are made. So that's where our brain is actually repairing um, our glymphatic system. So our detox pathway in the brain is most active when we're asleep. So these are some things that we want to try to work on as best as we can so that these natural mechanisms within our body can actually do the work that they're equipped to do. Um, uh, Vanessa was just asking a question, how long and how many times a day do you recommend doing these exercises to tone the vagus nerve? That's a great question. So I don't think there's a direct answer of like, it's this many times exactly. I think a big piece of it too is it's so individual, right? It's where are you at? And because like, on the spectrum of, you know, people that are dealing with chronic anxiety to people that are post-concussion and also the average person, it varies so much. So my advice to you is, is if you notice that you're in that um, flight or re flight response, so that sympathetic nervous system state, if first of all, that mindfulness piece of like, hey, I'm actually in this state, okay, I have some tools to now get me out of this state. So let's do some of those things, right? So I think, I don't know if that's a great answer for you. It didn't directly answer your question of how many times, but I think the mindfulness piece of being aware, like, yes, I'm in this state. And then I would say definitely be before a meal. Um, if you're looking, like whenever you're sitting down to do some actual mental work, you wanna be in that rested state because otherwise our prefrontal cortex when we're stressed just shuts right off and we're not thinking, right? So anytime you need to do mental work and then definitely before sleep, um, and then pairing it even with things like brushing your teeth, if you're going to do um, gargling or if you're going to do singing or whatever it is, right? Or if you're feeling yourself really every time to just get up, dance, sing, um, literally shake the stress away is a great way to remember it. So I hope that answers your question a little bit. So we cannot, we could not talk about concussion recovery without touching on nutrition and metabolic health. So concussion is not just a physical injury, but it's also a metabolic one. The tissues are so greatly impacted throughout the whole body. And there's often, there's no talk about the connection between diet and brain health. 
that often our mouth can just be a garbage can and that there's no impact on our brain health. Yet there's so much research coming out in the field of the gut-brain axis and the enteric nervous system and the impact of gut health on brain health. And our gut is not just physically connected to our brain through the vagus nerve, but it's also the major site of our immune system. So 90% of our immune system is housed in the gut. Our neurotransmitters, which are the messengers for our brain, are synthesized in the gut. And the site for absorbing the building blocks for actually regenerating neurons happens, all that absorption happens in the gut. So the breakdown of the integrity of our intestinal barrier is mirrored with the breakdown of the blood-brain barrier. And this happens within hours of a neurotrauma. So when there is a trauma, usually there's a leaky gut that happens or um, intestinal hyperpermeability. And then within hours, we also see that being mirrored within the brain and the blood-brain barrier starts to break down as well. So our gut really is our second brain. So I wanna challenge each of you from this moment forward to shift the way you perceive food as just filling an empty stomach to that of really nourishing and nurturing every cell of your body. And most importantly, your brain. The biggest obstacle for healing that I see in my practice is often neuroinflammation. And it's just, it, the reality is we can't expect to build new cells and new neuronal connections in a raging fire. Right, I, the analogy I use, I like to use is it's like trying to towel off in the shower while the shower's still going, right? It's just, we're trying to get dry, but the shower's still going and it just, it's a, it's a hamster wheel that we can never get out of, right? So the three biggest culprits are gluten, dairy, and refined sugars. These are some of the most pro-inflammatory foods, especially for those with a brain injury. So I'm gonna invite you to replace these, these foods with more minimally processed foods. So foods as close to the earth as, as possible. So things such as vegetables and fruits and healthy fats, nuts and seeds and proteins of your choice. So it doesn't matter which diet you subscribe to or prescribe to. The reality is the tenant of most diets are based on fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds and healthy proteins. It doesn't matter what label you wanna give it. And I don't think we necessarily need to label our diets, right? Because it becomes very limiting in and of itself. But I think, and oftentimes I get asked, is there a diet that works for everyone? And there isn't. We're all individuals and sometimes it's a bit of trial and error. And sometimes certain foods will work for you at certain times and sometimes they won't, right? And sometimes post-head injury, people will be more sensitive to these foods of like gluten, dairy, refined sugars, even things like eggs. And then when the healing process has been, has been done or they're getting closer to, to being back to themselves, these foods may not cause an issue and they can easily have a cheat day and there's no major repercussions. So it's also about listening to your body and really being in tune with what's going on. So the reality is what you put in your mouth has the potential to either support neuroinflammation or neuroregeneration. And that is so empowering, right? You have the ability to control what goes in your, what goes on in your brain by what goes on in your gut. Right, I'm gonna say that one more time. So you yourself have the ability to control what goes on in your brain by what you put in your gut. And that's huge. And I know these strategies often sound simple and they're, but they're not easy, right? They're not sexy and shiny like supplements and other tools can be. And they require consistent effort and commitment, they do, right? But by addressing these foundational pieces, I actually see the body's response to other treatments improve as well, right? So it's not just your brain that, might not be happy. It could also be the neck muscles that are so at play, 
with a concussion that if we're rehabbing and we're finding that treatments are not holding or not taking, we often have to look, is there something else going on? Is there inflammation that's happening and the tissues just aren't holding because they're not, they're inflamed and they're just unhappy and they're not gonna, they're not gonna heal as well. Or are we stuck in this chronic sympathetic overdrive where the body's like, it's not safe for me to, to let go. These muscles are not okay to let go because I need to protect. So it's, it's about shifting our bodies and saying, hey, okay, it's and working with our body and our nervous system to really shift those things. So I've seen time and time again, patients who are set free and told there's nothing that can be done and to just rest or, and hopefully it'll get better and eventually crawl out of that cave. Or I think the most frustrating piece to me is the fact that patients are often told that, you know, after months and years of struggling with persistent post-concussion symptoms that you just, this is your new norm. Like, this is it. This is all you have to do and just like figure it out. And then often they'll go and try to figure out like, you know, is there something that I can do? And it's wonderful to have groups like this because I think there's conversation about what has worked and there's different avenues that have been explored and discussions that have been had, right? And in the past 20 minutes-ish, I've given you three tools to start taking radical responsibility for your own brain healing journey. And what's more is this is just the beginning. We've touched on sleep a little bit we haven't even touched on gut healing or hormonal health or mitochondrial health. And those are also important for brain healing. So I wanna invite you afterwards to hop on my page. I'm at Naturally Neuro and I have a eating for brain health guide on there, which really does support um, you more in depth and you can get some more information that way because we're kind of tight for time. So I won't have a chance to expand on all of this stuff, but thank you so much for coming out and for your questions. Um, there was a question, you mentioned growth hormones. Where did you say it was made? Yeah, so growth hormone, um, most of our growth hormone is actually made when we're, when we're sleeping. So 90, I talked to this a lot with my athletes because um, I work a lot too with hockey players and they're always like, especially teenage boys, they're so lanky and they always wanna put on weight, right? Yet when we look at sleep, 90% of our, 90, 95% of our growth hormone is actually made when we are sleeping. So growth hormone is not just for making us big and bulky, it, that is the piece, but the main piece of it is repair, repair of tissues. And that's everything from our musculoskeletal, like our muscles, our nervous tissue, um, and everything else that needs to be repaired while the damage has happened um, during the day, right? Whether that's from sport or whether that's from an injury or whatever the case might be. So um, sleep is a huge issue that I talk to with my patients because that really is sometimes the kind of the underpinning that can really shift everything for people. If we get people sleeping, then people can actually start to heal. And I find that's often greatly impacted um, uh, with concussions, especially. And mainly I would say it's that sympathetic drive that's happening. Today I have Emily, who is also part of McGill Students for Concussion Legacy Foundation, Nick from Concussion Talk Podcast, and his co-host Aaron, who is also the coordinator for the Newfoundland and Labrador Brain Injury Association, Association joining me. Um, so, okay, during the whole intro before, I was laughing, Emily, your cat, but anyways, <laughs> um, so uh, uh, Dr. Brigitte is like, three main things that she talked about being like the most important were hydration, 
um, the vagus nerve and uh, nutrition and metabolic health. Um, thoughts? She covered a lot of stuff, so there's not too, too much to say. I feel like I, it was very informative and um, really helpful. Uh, Emily? Yeah, I enjoyed her talking about the diet stuff and the hydration stuff. I actually really enjoyed all of it. Um, yeah. Was... Well, I just managed to cut the dairy, gluten, and refined sugar out six days ago. Got some inspiration from last week because I'd been thinking about it. I was going to say, the sound of some of stuff was like it was last week, was it? Yeah, but then, yeah, I was going to do it, but then I got stuck at the hospital working, and so I just had to roll with the food they had. Um, and so then now I'm doing it. It's day six, and I've been drinking, like, so much water. Um, How much? I don't know. So much. <laughs> like, so probably much. six liters a so day. Much. Like, so Man, much. Man, you must <laughs> eat all the time. Yeah, dude. I've peed all the time before, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> I just peed because of anxiety before. <laughs> now it's like I'm peeing because I'm drinking water. And I just, um, and I had done this for about three weeks in September, and I had this moment where I was doing homework, and I was like, man, like, I really can sit down and just read everything and go through everything and process it all. And then that went away, and I went back to this, like, gosh, I really just have to skim stuff because I can't, I don't have the capacity to go through it all. And I, you know, the whole, which is difficult in itself because I feel like I'm being lazy, but it really is the capacity I have because I felt like I was thinking through a brain fog. And then I sit down again this morning. Um, in the past couple of days, I've had a rough couple of days because of other stuff, but I do not feel like I'm thinking through a fog as much when I eat like this and I hydrate like this. Like I'm able to sit down and you break down information and make sure I can fully understand it versus just like half understanding it enough to pass a class. Um, did, you, did you ever do like I'm bit excited. Of, did you ever do a bit of the dairy like knocking a bit of dairy or did you just go straight like cold turkey just no milk or no cheese? Yeah, cold, cold turkey did. Oh, yeah. Cold turkey did. <laughs> I man Emily doesn't know how to not do cold turkey stuff. She's just cold turkey. I tell you what, though, like, I quit smoking two months ago, um, and I don't know that I've experienced cigarette cravings in the past six weeks the way I have experienced pizza cravings in the past (laughs) week. Do you ever give up pizza? Well, you can't do carbs or cheese. Like, the gluten, I guess. Yeah. and now it's okay, but um, I'm just, I'm interested to see how the rest of the school semester goes, if I can keep it up. Um, and what my doctor had recommended was do 60 days like this, and then my body can probably handle, like, the dairy and the gluten on occasion, but not, like, constant. Um, but they said really give 60 days to, like, heal it. So you have definitely noticed a difference? Yeah. And I noticed a difference in September, too, and I was like, oh, maybe it was just a coincidence, but... Here we are I again. Mean, but also, I'm like the fact that like, I mean, you got your second dose of like COVID, um, like yesterday yeah. or something. Really? Like, you're not completely out of commission right now. Like, you're like, yeah, you're surviving a lot better than the first one. Yeah, the first one knocked me out for a good three days. And yeah, yeah it was uh... just a and a half ago that I got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I, 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 
in so two another e in two weeks another thing <laughs> oh wh what nick i said in two weeks emily will be immune oh <laughs> <laughs> so another so something that someone was asking um brigida after her talk um was about uh like uh just like the whole diet thing and about uh, commercially farmed proteins and um, just all that sort of thing. And um, Brigitte uh, made a point of like making it very clear that like um, getting the cleanest meat that you can afford and that is available to you is what important, um, which like I thought that was um, just the fact that she kept like emphasizing that like, whatever you can afford, whatever, like, is accessible to you, like, um, buying the cleanest that fits, like, within, like, your budget most, um, and, uh, she talked about how, like, lentils and other protein sources are really good to bring down, um, inflammation, and later on we were talking about iron absorption, and, um, Brigada also just emphasized, uh, the fact that, all nutrients um, are best when they come from your food directly. So rather than taking supplements and stuff, um, which like, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I, uh, it definitely makes sense. Um, I have like really low iron um, and I've been taking supplements, but I definitely should start trying to have, have it in my more food more often. Yeah, true, true. I've never yeah. been a supplement person just because I'm cheap and I don't like to buy vitamins and stuff. I know they're yeah. important, but I've always tried to like focus on the food aspect more. So it was nice to hear that. And it really is almost a more accessible way because if you're asking someone who's on low income or doesn't isn't even in work because of their injury, like they could be on disability kind of checks, mm -hmm they don't have a lot of disposable income that they can spend on extra aspects besides just getting their basic foods. And if you're saying, hey, you can still get these supplements, you can still get these extra things that will help you just by adjusting your diet and hopefully still staying within a budget, that's good. Like that's still good enough. And I think that's a really nice message to send because oftentimes people with brain injuries have experienced a loss of work or a sudden decrease in what they had before in terms of money coming to them and mm -hmm. yeah a lot of clients that I've dealt with especially have been in that case where they're just like I can't afford this anymore so yeah yeah that's yeah. that's a really good point Aaron um like I mean mine I like I only take the iron supplements because like they're prescribed and um like it's covered because it was prescribed um but yeah, that's a really good point. I never thought about that, how, like, it's, like, an extra – because, like, it totally is, like, an extra expense. It's an extra additional cost that, I mean, really isn't something uh, people can afford, um, especially, like you said, like, if they're on disability or – I mean, it's also another thing to remember. And, like, your brain's already, like – you're already very forgetful and you already can't really remember things. So how are you supposed to remember to take the supplements sometimes, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. What were you going to I was going to say, like, last week, Aaron and I interviewed uh, two women from uh, New Hampshire, Making Headway Podcast, Making Headway, Making Headway Podcast, and yeah. uh, they had, la I listened to their latest one, I guess, 
I shouldn't say the latest one because I don't know what book was coming out this week in writing, but uh, the last one they did this this week about um, uh, more integrated about integrated health nutrition, and she touched on a lot of the same subjects we're talking about about getting your nutrients from food and about about 60 to 60, 60 days of of well she was talking about uh, no sugar but uh, yeah same thing no sugar no dairy like six just six days of, of giving up whatever if you can gonna do go the cold factor route then just do it for like two weeks or six days and just take that then yeah judge, like judge rear. yeah it makes a lot of sense why like you should like choose to have it in your food rather than like a supplement like it's more natural obviously more absorbs and like it's just like overall better and um and i think the 60 days thing like that's definitely a super important aspect because like your body has to like have time to like get used to all that like get all the other crap out completely um and then you'll feel like the full effects that's like whenever like you start taking like a medication like it takes um like some medications like it takes while a while to like really kick in and stuff and Emily. Yeah, I wanted to add on that. I think because um, we were talking about me already feeling an effect after six weeks. I do want to say I think that is partially due to the narcolepsy and the fact that <laughs> the narcolepsy is immediately sensitive to everything. The other thing I yep. wanted to add real quick is I liked all of what she talked about the vagus nerve and how mm-hmm. um, that can really be affected or helped using like meditation and breathing exercises. I feel like sometimes when I had said to me that I need to do breathing exercises or I say that to other people that it might be a good idea, sometimes <clears throat> there's this knee-jerk reaction of, oh, but how is that going to help? Like, this is such a big deal, and that is such a simple thing. How could that be helpful? And so I like her breaking down the science of it and being like, yeah. this literally takes your body out of parasympathetic system, or sorry, yeah. out, of your, out of your sympathetic system yeah. into your parasympathetic it literally calms you down because it's working on these nerves. So as a science person, I really enjoy that. Um, but also I think that, um, you know, it's not one of those things that's going to work overnight. Like it's going to take the mindfulness and the patience and the, you know, it's a daily practice. Um, I do have to say it's worked like wonders for me and my watch tracks, like my heart rate variability. And your breaths. And it, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, not my breathing, but, like, <laughs> the pattern of my heart rate. And I right. don't know how good it is, but it'll turn, like, red. Then I'm like, oh, let me just take some deep breaths. <laughs> and, and it goes to green, but then I also, like, feel better. So it's kind of cool to have reminders. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think when she was talking about the vagus nerve, like, that was really, really interesting. And I think that's, like, the first time I've really heard someone, like, break it down like she did. Like, I don't know, like, it. Uh, and that just kind of like it I was just like whoa like it really is a huge like it's got a huge impact on everything and um, I also like that um, when she was sharing like it was kind of like interactive in a sense and like I like that she did like a deep um, like breathing like uh, exercise thing like a live question answer kind of thing yeah like that was I don't know I like that um but uh, yeah, I feel like she is very knowledgeable about um, what she does, and uh, her presentation was really good. Um, and 
it, yeah, it was um, it was definitely very informative and. There were there were, there were a lot of questions after. I mean, during the um, few, but I mean afterward. Yeah, there. Yeah, there were um, there were quite a few questions afterwards. I had to leave um, right at eleven or a little bit before because my boss was in today. So you know, I had to actually be working when I was supposed to start work. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there were some there were some really good questions, um, and everyone seemed to really appreciate all the knowledge that she shared and. Uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was cool. It was it was nice. And I think she had a good grasp on the fact of like how your brain and body are all interrelated and these exercises to do for your mental health, like for example, the breathing exercises she did do is a lot of what you'll mm -hmm. learn in therapy for anxiety kind of things. Yeah. Especially that square method. And she really clearly explained kind of how that's directly related to your brain, but like how your body's reacting. Yeah. yeah, I like that everything was explained really well. Like, she didn't just assume that people knew things. Like, she explained it, but, like, it wasn't, like, a dummy explaining. Like, she was just, like, explaining and elaborating on things, which was really helpful. And um, it was really, really good. Yeah, I agree. Does she come to your, your sessions a lot often, or is she, this, was this her first time presenting? Um, she came last week during Jordan's share, um, but this was her first, um, like, first time sharing, and, um, yeah. Um, anyone else have any quick last things to say? No, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I think she covered so much that I just, like, there's not too much to go over. Um yeah so thanks again um to brigida for joining us um and talking to the support group and thanks to nick for helping us do the podcast um and emily and aaron for joining uh we will have a new podcast post posted monday morning our upcoming podcast can be found on concussiontalk.com spotify youtube and apple podcasts um, you can find more information about our group on concussionmtl.com um, our peer-to-peer -peer support group is free and open to everyone. We hold four weekly meetings on Zoom. Uh, one of those meetings is in French, uh, which will be linked in the description. Um, and as always, we're always looking for um, guest speakers. Thanks for listening. Head Check Health bridges gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada who rely on Head Check to improve communication and optimize care. Visit headcheckhealth.com for more. The music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound. W www.bensound.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.